Hi guys, what's up everyone? Um, this is Emma. And I'm Sienna. And welcome back to another episode of She Never Shuts Up. Sienna and I were just talking about her doctor's appointment today. And I just want to know all the details because she finally went to the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good life update. If you listen to our first podcast, I was talking about, um, we we're talking about our health journeys and how I haven't been to the doctor in a very long time because I'm avoiding them. But I went today. I'm proud of you. Thank you. I was like, no, I'm done. You know, when you get to a certain point and you're like, mm -mm. yeah. But also, I feel like virtual visits make it easier anyway. It's like you can't really like make an excuse at that point. So it was like a virtual visit, but then you had to go in person to get blood work. Yeah, I just went to Quest, which is always a quest for sure. <laughs> I just feel like they're always so unhappy to see you. I was just listening to um, the What We Said podcast today, and they were talking about like things that they had had it with. And they were talking about like when you go to a store or like a place and you're like really nice, but then the person like acts like they don't want you to be there, like giving them your business. And it's kind of the same thing. No, literally. Like, like, I was like, I just feel like I'm not even getting my blood work back because, like, what is happening? <laughs> They're just, like, so not enthused. No, not at all. So I've just had a lot of, like, stomach issues for, like, a long time. But I feel like they just kind of go undiagnosed or, like, I just kind of deal with it. But I've had, like, a lot of acid reflux. So I was like, okay, like, I need to go to the doctor. And she basically said that it could be H. pylori, which is, like, I think it's just, like, a bacteria that can infect your stomach for a long time and it can just like if you don't like get tested for it it can just kind of stay like unnoticed and just be like my stomach just hurts all the time just randomly which has been the case for me for forever um she was saying some people like get it so bad like immediately where they'll have like diarrhea and stuff like immediately so they'll go get medical care quickly but you can live with it for like years and years um oh my gosh but it's literally just like a stomach bug like you can get it from like unwashed like fruit or like undercooked fish stuff like that and she was saying that if that's the case then I literally can just get treated with antibiotics and like all my stomach issues will go away that would be amazing honestly like I kind of hope that's it because yeah me too because I'm like what yeah I saw a girl on TikTok say that she um has had stomach issues like her whole life and then she got tested for H. pylori and that's what she had and basically, like, she was like, I can eat gluten now. Like, all these, like, sensitivities she had are gone. So if that's the Aww. case for me, it's going to be heavenly. I really hope that's the case. And you can just go on, like, a couple weeks of antibiotics and, mm -hmm. like, be done. Because that would be so nice. Yeah. Because I think, too, like, it's just, like, also every time I get COVID, every time whatever, it's, like, my stomach issues are just getting worse and worse. So if one thing could just fix all of that, it'd just be so wonderful. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's kind of like, you know, when you're just, like, sick with, like, it feels like the flu or whatever, and you're just like, I hope I have strep throat so they can give mm -hmm. me an antibiotic to just, like, make it go away. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel about this. It's like, I hope you can just, like, be done with it rather than them being yeah. like, it's a virus or whatever, and then they don't know. Yeah, I am worried, though, because I <laughs> – like you're not supposed to eat for like a certain amount of time before you get it done and I didn't know that and I was like drinking like this like matcha protein drink like on the way there and then I like read it and I was like oh so I like put it down but I was like I already drank half of it so did you tell them before you had no. it done no she oh. was very the lady taking my blood was so unhappy with me I couldn't <laughs> tell her I didn't even tell her that I have a latex allergy as she wrapped latex tape around my arm because I was yeah. like I 
I can't bother you anymore. Like, she was so dumb with me. And I was being... <laughs> Doesn't tell someone about your allergy so you're not an inconvenience. No, as she's wrapping it, like, as she's taking my blood, I know she's about to wrap me with latex. But I was like, I just have to just go for it because... Do you have a rash now? Oh, yeah. Oh. Oh, my God. Sienna's showing me a rash. That is horrible. No, literally. So I went to dinner um, at a friend's house. Like, friend of mine, but kind of acquaintances. Like, it was a couple's thing. And my husband and I went for dinner there. And they messaged us. And they were like, hey, do you have any allergies? Like, they they were totally in the right. Like, asked me about my allergies. Asked me about dietary restrictions. And all I said was, I'm vegetarian. Because I am. And then we get there. She's like... I made this half-baked harvest pasta dish. I'm like, dang, that looks so good. And I start eating it and I was like, my mouth just felt weird. And I was like, what is going on? And I was like, oh yeah, I'm allergic to pine nuts. And of course, in like pestos and pastas and whatever, there was pine nuts in this one dish she happened to make, which again was not her fault. Like I should have told her, but I literally forgot I had an allergy. And then I didn't tell, I didn't say anything. (laughs) I literally sat there and I was like. (laughs) Just swallow a Benadryl like under your hand literally benadryl makes me so drowsy though i hate taking it because it literally like knocks me out for like two days i have a friend that like has a bunch of allergies and she can take three and keep going like on her birthday like she literally took three kept going no it literally that is like kills me like want to stop me in my tracks give me a benadryl no literally it's like a sleep aid i was gonna say that makes me think about how like i feel like with having multiple allergies too, whenever you go out to eat, like this weekend, I was like really focusing on my gluten allergy, right? So then I forget about the dairy one. And then I'm just like, oh, well, like, we'll see, you know, (laughs) or it's like, sometimes I'll focus on the dairy. And then I'll be like, this might have gluten in it. And then I just have to like either suck it up or, or just not eat anything. Yeah. There's no way I could do that with also being vegetarian. I don't know how you do it. No, it's insane. That's why I'm hoping that it's just all just like this little stomach bug that I have. <laughs> I hope. Um, I saw this thing too that this dad like I guess ordered his son a peanut smoothie but without peanuts and he's like a deathly allergic to peanuts. I guess it had peanuts and peanut butter in it. So they left the peanut butter because he said no peanuts. Come and so on. Then his kid had allergic reaction and then he was freaking out about it and ran in and I think like assaulted like the worker like threw a smoothie on her or something oh that is not where i thought that was going (laughs) and everyone was like well meanwhile your kid is like having like going into anaphylactic shock in the car and you're throwing a smoothie on a worker for not like why would you order the peanut smoothie if he has a peanut allergy come on like that's all like that's also why i just avoid pesto at any restaurant because people will be like oh there's no nuts in it and then they'll be like oh I didn't realize pine nuts were a nut and I'm like well one it's called the pine nut but two it's just like it's better safe than sorry to just like Mm -hmm. not order it at all yeah I don't know wait yeah okay if I was that person making the smoothie and they said no peanuts I probably would say like Mm -hmm. hey this is an allergy but also if you have that bad of an allergy like make it clear because they could be using blenders that use the same thing like it could be using the same equipment I don't know. They're both in the wrong for that one. And also he shouldn't have thrown the smoothie on the worker. Like what? That's horrible. And then apparently I guess he got like arrested anyway for like tax fraud or something. So oh, he's not doing well. Just a mess all over. (laughs) 
I'm so ready for it to be fall. That was a very random segue. But <gasps> Me I'm too. Just, I'm looking out the window and I'm so tired of it being 100 degrees in Texas. I'm not going to lie. Live. I keep getting like fall feelings. Like, you know, when your like soul feels like Me the fall. Me too. Like I'll get them in like a little wisp and I'm like, oh, I can't wait. <laughs> I really... Sienna sent me a TikTok earlier um, of all the Trader Joe's pumpkin stuff. And I was like, ooh, I can't wait. I'm so excited. You can like smell it through the phone. Honestly, I'm like, I just, I just want to live in pumpkin bliss. But I know it's going to be 100 degrees till November. And that's just something we're going to have to deal with. But then I saw this thing saying that like there's going to be a really cold winter this year in Texas. So I don't oh, know. Oh, I hope so. I want Christmas to feel like Christmas. Yeah, but then like the infrastructure with the snow is just going to be insane. Yeah, honestly, like no salt. No. No heat because the grid's no. going to go out probably. Which you would think by now, I feel like there's been enough cold, like weird winter storms in Texas, like the past like five years that by now they should have like a small team in yeah. each like state that gets snow. I mean, like, in each city that gets snow, like, ready to, like, salt the roads if necessary. Yeah, for sure. Like, why wouldn't they – this is, again, above my pay grade, but, like, why wouldn't they put – I know, like, in Michigan where my parents live, some of the tax dollars go to getting, like, the trucks that do the salt and the plows mm-hmm. and whatever. And it's, like, it's probably not even going to be enough snow to plow, but so get salt trucks. Like, that's what we should be preparing for. Like, I feel like – shouldn't that be a part of this emergency preparedness or whatever? I don't know. What else is going on with you, Sienna? You saw the Barbie movie. What did you think of that? I did. It was so good. I really liked it. It was way better than I expected, too. I feel like even after hearing about it, it's like it was really, really good. And I feel like a lot of different people would like it, too. It's not just like for one age group or type of person. I feel like older generations were like, ooh, nostalgia of Barbie, meaning like my mom's generation. But then like the message was sweet for everyone. It was so good. In the row above me, it was, like, a bunch of 50-year-old moms, and they were all dressed in hot pink with heels, and, like, they were ordering so much wine. I was like, wow, you guys are living your best lives. I love that. That's what my mom did with her friends, and it was so cute. Like, they all dressed (laughs) up in, like, different sort of Barbie looks. Like, literally one of her friends wore, like, a hot pink evening gown and a fur. I was like, I hope that's how my friends and I are at that age. I feel like that generation, though, like, they have, like, the hot pink clothing ready. Like, they were waiting for a moment to wear it. And I feel like we don't own any of that. I literally own one pink shirt, but now I'm kind of, like, I want to wear, like, fun colors again. I'm kind of inspired by it. What else is going on? Oh, you're watching Love Island. I was going to talk about it because I finished it, but I'm not going to because Sienna hasn't. And I want you to see the rest of it. But tell me where you are, what you're thinking about it so far. I'm just curious. I just started it, but I'm like, I feel like I need to get into it, but also I'm trying my best. Like you don't know if you're going to keep watching it? No, I will try. I feel like I'll watch around, but I feel like watching every episode, probably not. But I did see some TikToks that already like spoiled the ending for me, I guess. No. Okay. So what do you know? Well, all I know is that like everyone really likes Molly, I guess. Everyone was upset. She didn't win. Yeah. Well, do you know like who she ends up with? The final person that she's with? Oh, okay. I won't spoil it for you. I just didn't like the guy she ends up with that much. But Mm. I don't know. I don't know what other people think of him. I just thought he was kind of boring. Like, he wasn't, like, wasn't anything wrong with him. I just, like, like, I feel like she's, like, very wholesome, like, small town, like, farm girl. Like, her family comes in in some of the later episodes and they're like, we live on a farm and stuff. 
And he's just like, doesn't give me that type of vibes. Interesting. That he's like as grounded as she is. But also I feel like he didn't really share much about himself. So I don't know. Are they still together? I am not sure because I literally just watched the finale. I watched it like a week late. So I just watched it Sunday night. And I honestly have not seen anything about them specifically on social media. Because I saw that Ella is still with the guy that she was with when it ended. Yes. And they were together from the very beginning. I feel like it was a really good season, but it will not compare to last season with Davide and Ekansu because that was just like, I just loved all the couples and mm-hmm. there was drama. This is just more like I was kind of like, eh, about all of them. Them were good friends, right? Like they like had good vibes, like all the girls and... Yeah, like they all become good friends, but I did feel like there was a lot of like bro code sort of stuff, which I don't know. I don't know what it's like to live in the villa for eight weeks, but it would be like, for example, Mitch said something and then one of the guys like lied to the girls about what he actually said. Oh. Just to be like bro code. But I was kind of like, she's going to watch it back and see that's not what he really said, you know? Yeah. Which I don't like. Yeah, I don't like that either. So it was just messy. Not, not the boys being messy. Yeah, the boys were kind of messy. <laughs> the girls were fine. Anyway, we never really explained what today's episode is. Um, we're giving our unsolicited Reddit advice or unsolicited advice to Redditors. These are kind of questions that are related to some of the topics that we talk about. You know, being in the young 20s, time of your life figuring yourself out, your identity, and just, you know, giving our live unsolicited advice. I feel like this whole episode has been unsolicited advice. Yeah, literally. (laughs) We're just going to give more. All right. So this one's titled, I feel like I failed in life and I need help. I'm 19 male. I graduated from high school in June. I feel like I've not accomplished anything in life, whereas my friends and even my brother have experienced and achieved so much more than I have. I have barely any friends. I literally went almost two months without seeing a single friend post-graduation until this week. I did not join any school activities or go for camps or competitions. All of this is most likely due to my anxiety slash social anxiety and shyness. I've missed out on all the hangouts, sleepovers, parties, and fun stuff that other teenagers do. I'm 20 next January, and I feel like I've missed out entirely on the teenage experience. I've tried seeking help from a psychologist a few years ago for my anxiety, but that did not help one bit. Also, I've dreamed of becoming a pilot since I was a little kid in elementary school. This year, I found out that flight school is way too expensive and my family couldn't afford it, and there is no other profession that really interests me other than being a commercial pilot. Right now, I'm stuck in a rut. I have no idea what to do with my life. I have not applied to any colleges, and I'm absolutely lost. I feel like the one aviation dream that kept me fired up throughout life has now suddenly disappeared. So now I'm left directionless in life with no motivation to continue, missed out on teenage life, and anxiety slash social anxiety is still a huge problem for me. I'm so disappointed in myself and like I'm a failure. This is super relatable, even if it's not like the same sort of things, like even though I'm not interested in being a pilot. But I feel like the first thing I would say is like being 19, you are not far behind at all. I feel like you have so much time to still do the things that you feel like you've missed out on. And I feel like the fact that you're self-aware enough to recognize this and think about it and how you can change these things and the fact that you want to is like a good place to start. I agree. I also feel like it's like no matter what age you are, you're going to feel like everyone's ahead of you. 
Because I think too, like everybody has such different paths that maybe people have accomplished things on paper that look really good, but you don't actually know how they feel about them. And like maybe they want to do much more, but they can't do it yet either. Um, And also being 19, like that is so young that I feel like too, you still have opportunities to have more of that like teenage life, even if you're not like a teenager anymore, you can still have fun. You're still young. And I also think the whole like always dreamed of being a pilot thing if that's like your one thing that you want to do in life I feel like if you maybe don't have like family that can help you pay for it then I think there's time to save on your own and just work random jobs until you can get like enough money to feel like you're on your feet enough to pay for it um it's not always great but you can go into debt and just like go to school for what your dream is and pay it back in the future or like I saw a comment say like you could always like join the air force it's free training and a guaranteed job when you leave yeah but i know like the military is not for everyone either but i feel like those are like three options of what you could do to achieve that dream yeah i think that's a great idea i think if you really do research and i don't know this person's situation but if you do feel comfortable going into student debt that's a lot different than you know other types of debt and i was really scared of student debt mm-hmm. but it helped me get the career and the job that i'm in now So I feel like if taking on debt is going to help you, like Sienna said, achieve that dream, it might also be good to put you in that like school environment because I totally get the anxiety and social anxiety piece and you feel like you've like missed out on things because of this. I totally understand how that feels. I feel like college really helped me come out of my shell and not have as much social anxiety because colleges Mm -hmm. and universities have a lot of like set up activities for the same people that are like your age and in your position. So if you can find a school that has like that college environment, but also has like flight school, that would be a really cool way to go to one event a week that's maybe hosted in your dorm. So, you know, if you are feeling anxious about it, you could go back to your dorm quickly, you know, whatever else you need to do. It's kind of like a safe way to still like meet people and make friends. And then also your pilot training. I think too, like, everybody feels behind or lost at that age but I think like knowing what you want to do is like so much more it gives you a clearer path like you have more options like okay how do I achieve this goal where like if you don't know what you want to do at all there's just too many options and it's so much more frustrating totally I think like giving up on like a dream that you know is like your ultimate dream wouldn't like make sense to me because it's like you have a clear thing of what you want to do. So like figuring out how to get there might take you way longer than somebody else, but you can still get there. Whereas like if you're just lost and don't know what to do at all, then like nobody can really like pick that for you. Yeah, I feel like you're just knowing that you love that and that's what you're dreaming of doing. You're farther along than probably so many other people are at Mm -hmm. 19 without even realizing it. The next one that I found, it's a little bit of a quicker one. The title says, will be in touch soon, was four days ago for a job update. Small background, I have an opportunity to have a first step towards my dream career with the DOJ, the Department of Justice, and I was told to be prepared for the waiting it takes to get a job and to go through all the checks and steps. This career journey started back in February, and I have not been actively working since then. Lots of unforeseen circumstances happened in May that I have no control over, but things are finally starting to move again. I submitted some paperwork over the weekend and sent a follow-up asking if they received it. Got a response Tuesday morning stating they had received them and will follow up soon. 
It's Friday afternoon, and I've still not heard anything new. I'm worried because if I try and follow up too much, will I come off as annoying? But since it's such a long process, I'm starting to get impatient and how long each step is taking. Would it be unreasonable to send another email? Does anyone have experience with this and how long of a process it is? Is it normal? Any insight would help me feel better. I would say I feel like if you've gotten far like far enough in the process to where they're telling you like, we'll get back to you in four days or like if that's what the protocol normally is, then like you can expect like four days like at the like minimum. But then I think with like weekends and busy schedules and stuff, especially if like they've said they received it and they're waiting, like you're just waiting for like the four days. If it's been over that, it's like that can be normal. I don't think that like they'll forget about you if they say that they're going to get back to you. Yeah, I think it's always good to send follow-ups. Like that was good that you checked to make sure that they had received it. It's always good to ask. I mean, if you were emailing them every day, that would be a different thing, but it's always good to ask. I would say follow up with them either Monday or Tuesday. This was posted 11 days ago, so I don't I don't see that there's an update on here. But if you're in a sort of similar situation, I think if a week goes by and they were supposed to tell you in under a week, it's smart to follow up again. Like by the end of day, Monday, Tuesday morning, I think that's pretty reasonable. Yeah. I have a friend that like she was supposed to hear back from a company in four days and then it took them maybe 10. But I think it was because like the weekends were in between and like, you know, like whether it's business days or not. And then also like they were just waiting from other people within the company to send them things it's like not always on like the person that's like you're talking to with the recruiter it like goes through a lot of different people so maybe just everybody else is busy but yeah for sure follow up if you haven't heard in like a week it's hard it's like a weird balance of you don't want to be annoying like this person said but then you also have to be consistent and i do think it's good to follow up because i've heard of situations with friends where they were the only one, the recruiter told them they were the only ones to follow up and it actually helped them Mm -hmm. in their job, like get the job. So I think that's always a good idea. All right, let's see. The next one is I feel so unproductive and useless. Um, I'm a sophomore. The past month I have felt like complete crap. I'm completely lazy and unmotivated. I signed up for the gym and only went when my friend went with me. I planned to originally practice soccer go to the gym and learn to code in the summer, but haven't done anything. I haven't showered in almost a week. I have brushed my teeth maybe 15 times the whole summer. I haven't changed in three days. I order every meal. I eat shit every single day. I sit on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube all day. My attention span is completely fried. Even when I play games, I watch TikTok. I need help. I feel so unmotivated, like I have nothing to do. I can't stop myself from opening TikTok every few minutes. I get frustrated so easily. Okay, the opening TikTok every few minutes is very relatable. Yeah, like that part, that's relatable. Like I feel like feeling like your brain is fried or like yeah. your attention span. But um, like the brushing the teeth and showering. I feel like that's where you have to start. I feel like you can't do any of the other stuff without starting with those tasks. And I think if that's where you're at and not being able to complete those, you know, daily tasks that are going to help you so that you, you know, can go to the gym, can code. I would definitely seek professional help from a therapist because it sounds like I'm, I'm not a professional, so I can't diagnose this person, but it sounds like they do have clinical depression or something Mm -hmm. that's more than just feeling like they're in a rut. 
And I think that's where you got to start is seeking out professional help to help you like learn some mechanisms to accomplish those skills. Because I feel like once you start taking care of yourself, then you might notice you're on TikTok less. You'll be able to cook a meal more like baby steps rather than being like, I'm going to go practice soccer, go to the gym, learn to code, take care of myself today, not go on TikTok, like doing it all at once. I feel like you got to start somewhere smaller. Yeah, I think definitely like not getting a lot done or like maybe not being as productive as you want to be or just feeling like you're in a rut and like your brain is just not working properly. Like that's normal. Mm -hmm. But then when it comes to like not being able to partake in like daily – I don't even know what they're called. What are they called? Like daily hygiene tasks. Yeah, like daily hygiene tasks or practices. Like that's when it gets more serious and like there's more of an underlying issue there. It's not just like, oh, I'm just being lazy and unproductive. So I definitely think like seeing a professional would help. And also starting small, you're right. Like that's always good. And then from there, maybe like setting goals. Okay, well, I do a little bit of like coding or I go to the gym and then I play on my phone. Like just like doing a little bit, something productive before you kind of mindlessly scroll. Yeah, because I feel like we all do that. It's where I start to like worry in the sense of it's beyond just being like this person said, I'm incredibly lazy and unmotivated. I don't think you're lazy. I think you maybe are suffering from depression and that's Mm -hmm. where you got to start. And then once you start getting those little tasks then you can work on like your motivation to do things like go to the gym, learning to code. Yeah. You know? This is kind of similar to the other one and talking about social anxiety. So this person says, I sabotage myself with social anxiety. To make things short, I have some future plans for myself and really want to get to my goals, but I'm having a hard time getting my ass up. I have to go to a company to introduce myself and ask for a job, but I am for whatever reason, super scared of doing that. I think the fear comes from not wanting to fail and I'm putting too much pressure on myself. I know I have the guts for it and I can archive my goals, but the past two weeks, anxiety started to get to me. Please help. I'm wondering if what this person means by I have to go to a company to introduce myself and ask for a job, that sounds like maybe um, a customer service job or a sales job where it's easier, you know, to walk in and apply somewhere. And that can be really scary But I'm wondering if maybe, let's say, I don't know why this popped in my head. I was just thinking about Smoothie King because I saw a commercial earlier. Like, let's say you want to get a job at Smoothie King. I would maybe see if they have a contact on the franchise's website, like an email of the manager there, whoever does the hiring, and say, hey, can I come in and meet you at Thursday at 3 p.m.? That might help you to kind of set a goal to be like, I know I have to be there at Thursday at 3 p.m. It's not just about whether I'm going to walk in today or not. Mm-hmm. I do think, though, like sometimes just like casually walking in could be kind of easier. That's Because you can always just like walk in and like order a smoothie if it's Smoothie King and then be like, oh, by the way, like, you know, like, are you hiring? Do you have applications? That's right. Like, it doesn't have to be like you're going in to be super serious about a job. Whereas like picking up the phone and you know it's an interview, I feel like that causes a lot of anxiety sometimes. Yeah, that's very so I think true, just thinking actually. of it as like a casual thing. And if they say, oh, no, we're not hiring right now. Okay, cool. Then you don't even have to ask. Like there's no more questions to ask at that point. So I think just getting there is hard. But I feel like it's something that you just like – if you're thinking about it and you know you want to do it, you just have to kind of do it. Totally. But I don't really 
know what advice to give in terms of like how to help somebody, you know, like go do that. It's like you just have to kind of just decide to do it and just go for it. I think it is good that this person's like aware that their kind of barrier to doing it is like they said the fear comes from not wanting to fail and putting too much Mm -hmm. pressure on myself. And I think the good thing is like, it sounds so cheesy and dumb, but it's kind of that thing of like, you can only fail if you don't try. So it's like, because you haven't tried yet, you don't know if you're even going to fail at, you know, getting this job or whatever you need to do. So I feel like you're in a good place. You have all the chances right now, which is awesome. Like that's like the best place to be in is like, all you have to do is try and see if you can. Yeah, like by not trying, you're already failing. Yes. So if you try, then you have a 50-50 chance. Exactly. Which also like the whole saying of like a closed mouth doesn't eat. Yeah. Like it's so easy to just like not ask questions or like not go for things, not try. But sometimes it's like literally just asking. People be like, oh yeah, for sure. And yeah. then that's it. When you just stress about it for so long, it kind of causes more anxiety but if you just bite the bullet and do it, it's like it's stressful in the moment, but then you'll feel better after whether or not it works out or it doesn't. At least you tried. Like you're not going to feel like you like what could have been sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have that regret. You're not going to feel like you failed in that sense. So I feel like that lingers more like that whole thing of like when you have a task that you don't want to do and it takes so much of your mind thinking about like, oh, I need to do this thing. But then you do it and it takes like 15 minutes. You're like, okay, yeah, I could have done that. Like my doctor's appointment. Yeah. It's like you hold it above yourself, and then once you do it, you're like, oh, like that wasn't worth the stress and anxiety that you had, you know? Yeah. Like it's done now. There are bugs crawling on my bed, and that's really concerning. No. What kind of bugs? Like little ones, but they're on my bed frame. Uh, Like how many are there? I see two. Do you have a cloth bed frame? Like is it padded? Uh, Yeah. I would check for bed bugs. I just saw a TikTok about that, about how this girl was getting these bed bug bites and she kept checking her mattress and she was like, there's no bed bugs in my mattress. And they were in the cloth part of her headboard. That's so frightening, Emma. So the next question is, due to injury, I require a chair at work. How do I ask for such? I'm applying to some jobs and due to a permanent injury, I just can't stand for long periods of time. However, even if there's a position that requires you to stand in one spot all day, I find that the manager doesn't like the idea of someone having a chair. It doesn't make sense to me. Now I'm concerned about asking for such an accommodation because I believe that they'll reject my application due to it. I understand that remote positions would be great for me now, but they never respond. I find too many scam jobs as well. Any idea what I could do or maybe how I would request such an accommodation? I'm thinking about jobs that require you to stand something like retail or something like that, I just would be very clear that, and not in a rude way, but be very clear that you know it is by law required to have accommodations from the ADA. And so if they protest about that, I would say by, I know that under the law, I am able to get this accommodation. I think that would be really helpful just so they know that, not that you're like threatening to sue them, but just so that they know that you are aware that you should be getting it. Do you know if like you have to disclose like with your application or can you ask for accommodations like after you're hired? I don't know that for certain. I believe if the injury happened before you were hired, 
yes, I think you have to declare it, but I honestly do not know. I would do your research on that, but I just think it's important that you speak up. I don't think they'll reject your application based on that. I don't know, though. Because I know, like, when you are applying for jobs, like, you can say, I prefer not to say, in the mm-hmm. dis- like in the one that says, like, if you want to state whether or not you have a disability. But yeah. So I think if you said, if you preferred not to say, and then upon being hired, you just tell them, like, or you go through, like, HR or wherever you get your accommodations done. That's a good and, idea. And, like, request, like, a chair as opposed to, like, when your application is going through the system, declaring, like, a disability, if that's a possibility. Yeah, it's a bummer that that is, like, how we have to think, but I think that is smart to maybe just say that you don't know for now and when you get there and once they processed it, ask for it. But again, I would just be, like, very clear that you know that under the law that you get accommodations. So this one says, how are my early 20s really supposed to be the time of my life? I seriously don't understand when people talk about being in your early 20s and saying how it's so amazing and free and exciting and fun. Quote, the time of your life. I can tell you that my early 20s so far look something like this. Depression, anxiety, loneliness, uncertainty, being broke, feeling detached from everyone, being unable to choose a career, a lot of body image and self-esteem issues, and constantly worrying how people legitimately legitimately believe that this is an amazing time in your life. Granted, COVID also messed it up a lot, but still. Am I doing something wrong? Could this be a generational problem? Am I really supposed to have the best time now? Because if so, then man, oh man, I better prepare for the worst coming. I think like your early 20s, they just can't be like the best time of your life. I think there's like a lot of fun experiences you get to have. There's a lot of new experiences. There's lots of like carefreeness, but there's also a lot of like new responsibility. So it's just a balance of like what is going on and everybody feels that way, but you are still like young and having fun and like maybe making mistakes that you'll look back on and be like, wow, like I really was kind of just more carefree in my twenties. But I think also like thirties, you're more established. Like you, know kind of more of who you are and like what you want like your career is probably more stable like your relationships are more stable so I definitely think like 30s are like people say like the new 20s but also I wonder if that's because like parents maybe like older generations got married a lot younger too if like maybe they had more stability but also like 20s were still fun so I don't really know my take on this is that The people that are telling you that your 20s are the time of your life, when they were in their 20s, it was a lot less expensive Mm -hmm. to be an adult. So I was talking with my mom about this the other day because she was asked, we were talking about like different financial things. And I was talking about like my 401k for work and emergency savings and et cetera, et cetera. And she was like, wow, at your age, like I was not even thinking about saving Mm -hmm. anything. Like I just spent my entire paychecks on fun. She said that, but then she also was saying, you could work for a summer and pay off a whole year of college tuition, or you could work a a job for a summer and have your rent saved for six months. And so I think it's a little bit different now because things are really expensive and our wages aren't competing with those. So you just have more responsibility than the people that say that was the time of your life. And so generally things seem harder. But I think that's a very, like, logical way to maybe look at it from the the question of, like, 
being unable to choose a career, having body and self-esteem issues. I think also, especially for women, one day you wake up and you feel like you're supposed to still have your like 16-year-old body and you don't anymore. And your body changes and they say you go through like a second puberty at 23. And so again, I just want to say like how relatable this is because I feel like a lot of people feel this way and it's not just you. Um, especially with social media, like we're always comparing ourselves to each other, like not just body, but then also career. I think it's just hard. I think there's just like a lot of factors that we have in, you know, being in your young 20s in like 2023 that maybe those people that are saying it's like the time of your life, like they didn't have those added stressors. I do feel like our generation is a lot more focused on like financial security and for the future. And maybe that is because the older generation didn't really think about it as much, right? Like I feel like the generation above us, like a lot of people's parents, I don't really think are as financially stable as like a lot of people like can't retire and like they're not as financially stable as generations before them. Like I think like early baby boomer generation, like they were very into like saving, investing, like they don't really spend too much money where I think a lot of our grandparents have way more money saved than our parents, right? So it's like generational, it goes back and forth where then our generation is really concerned about it because our parents weren't. So that also adds into it as well. So I think too that adds stress and the whole like body image thing is really interesting to me. I feel like too, like they say like your, like your frontal lobe develops around 25. So it's like you kind of go through that puberty again, but also like your hormones are kind of like stabilizing around 25. So your body is changing because it's not like all over the place anymore. But then also like as your frontal lobe develops, you don't really care as much about how you look, right? So it's like, as you go through that change, like 23, it's painful. 24, it's painful. But a lot of people have said like by 25, they're like, whatever. Yeah, I have curves. Like it's cool. Yeah. Like, you stop really like obsessing over it as much. So I feel like that's kind of like an exciting thing to kind of get to where like you're just more mature and like those things don't really bother you as much. But it is really hard <laughs> to like deal with regardless. So, but everybody's going through it, whether or not they're talking about it or not. It's this weird thing where I do feel like I don't want to bash social media because I love it. And I feel like at times it makes me feel less lonely because it's like these sort of things, you know, I find a podcast or a TikTok account that I'm like, oh, that's so relatable to me, which is great. But then at the same time, I feel like when I'm like spending hours and hours a day on social media, I start like not even consciously, but like subconsciously, like comparing myself to other people for like a bunch of different things. And I'm like, I what's the phrase they say, like, need to touch grass, like, I need to, like, get back to reality, and, like, just not in a selfish way, but just, like, think about myself, and what's going on with me in my life, and not being, like, how does it compare to, like, literally everyone else, because if you look at, like, your circle of friends, or people in similar life circumstances to you, you probably wouldn't see that much different or compare but then when you see the whole internet and it's all just displayed in front of you it's like super easy to compare what your life looks like and I feel like that's where the anxiety loneliness and uncertainty can come in because you're like it looks like that person has it all figured out why don't I and then you start like second guessing yourself at least that happens for me yeah I think that happens like with everybody because also when you think about it it's like 
they're curating what they're sharing with you. Like they're choosing the most perfect snippets and like they don't even have to be true and also like editing their pictures. Yeah. But you don't know that they're posing, perfect lighting. It's their whole job to do that, right? To like get people to like what they see as they scroll past the picture. So if that's your job, like you're going to make it look the best it can. Other people are just like living their life and like you don't look like that in the mirror. Okay, well, the person posting it doesn't either, which I can't imagine how much like body dysmorphia that would give you if like you're constantly not even editing your pictures but just like getting the perfect lighting perfect poses and your instagram feed looks nothing like you in real life and then you like look in the mirror on a saturday and you're like what like what is this yeah it's like curating to the point of not where it's not fun anymore but Mm -hmm. because it's like not even really you like i think that's Mm -hmm. stressful and then it creates that unrealistic expectation for everyone else Exactly. Weird, weird cycle. People with chronic illness, how do you cope and stay positive? I have chronic fissures. My life goes like this, four to five good days without any issues, and then suddenly a day with a lot of pain. It comes out of nowhere. I know that it's going to pass, but when the pain is there, I spend the whole day cursing the fact and being all moody. And on good days, I keep worrying about the bad that could come to me even the next day. It's very easy to get frustrated on bad days. And I feel like it's almost just like, unavoidable like I feel like you you're going to be upset that you don't feel good and it's like in the moment it is very painful and then I think to like just finding things that make you feel a little bit better and just kind of like you kind of have to lean into it like oh my body hurts okay I'm laying down right like anything to make you feel a little bit better take a bath whatever it is um don't really force yourself to do things that make you feel worse and like just do like what you have to do like you have to go to work go but like make it the least stressful as possible for you just don't really do the most on those days and I think too like the days that you feel good it's good to like really like enjoy them and just feel grateful for them especially if you have days where you feel like fully good without any issues like those are the days that you really should just like enjoy and not really worry about when the pain's gonna come because it probably will and when it comes it'll be there and you'll know that it's there so I feel like just like waiting for it to come is kind of just like it takes away from like the good days you can have. And also like if you know you're bound to have a bad day after like a couple good days, then just like taking it a little bit easier on the good days can help making like the bad days a little bit better. Because if you overwork your body on the good days, then like you're going to be even sicker on the bad days. I totally agree with that. I would try and stabilize your routine a little bit so that you're not going like ham on those good days. And then not doing, like, absolutely nothing on the bad days. I mean, I don't know what this person typically can take, but I just noticed that that helps me. But another thing I would say is just, like, kind of lean into it and embrace it. And not in this way of, like, worrying about the bad that could come, but like Sienna said, just saying, like, you know that the bad's going to come, so accept that and accept that that is reality. And I feel like that, at least for me, like, mentally helps me be like, I know this is going to happen. Me worrying about it is not going to change that fact, but I know that it's going to happen. And so I might as well lean into it and just take the day as it is. Another thing that could help is like, I don't know if this person's in school or works a job, but I feel like having a remote job, if possible, is really helpful because I know that I can adjust my routine to how I'm feeling in the sense of I can still 
you know, pretty much do my job, whether I'm really feeling good or really feeling bad. So I know that that's at least like stable for me. And I don't have to worry about being like, that's not something that goes off the routine if I have a really bad day. I don't know if that makes sense, but basically being like creating a lifestyle that is going to more so accommodate having the bad days in the sense of as much as you can control. You know, there might be some days that you have to miss a fun thing or a fun event, but if you can maintain like a relatively stable lifestyle that can accommodate for both the good and bad as much as you can possibly control, I think that's helpful. I agree with that. Also, I think just like having little things that like bring you joy that you only do on those days where you feel bad kind of helps. Yeah. Like I think even like obviously like most women get a menstrual cycle. So like even on those days, right, like you don't feel great, but you know like, oh, a heating pad and a piece of chocolate and like some peppermint tea makes you feel a little bit happy. Exactly. Like something like that would just be like good where it's like I don't normally have this. But like it makes you feel warm maybe and like have a sweet that you like to eat or something just to make it more enjoyable. Yeah, I feel like that just makes any day better. It's like even if you just have like a bad day at work or school or for whatever reason, it's like nice to have those little things to cheer you up. And I feel like it's okay again to like lean in and be like kind of negative on the bad days. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I tend to think of it as like, not everyone goes out to dinner every single night. So it's like on the good days, maybe I go out to dinner and then on the bad days, I'm, you know, cozied up on the couch. That's pretty realistic for people anyway. It's just like what days does it work for you and what days doesn't it? And I feel like mm -hmm. that's how I can stay positive about it is being like, I can't do everything all the time anyways. Would you write too about like kind of trying to find a schedule or a career that kind of fits your lifestyle more? If you know that you have to like accommodate for like sick days, because then maybe like your Tuesday can be your Sunday and then like on Sunday you can do fun things, you know? Yeah. I mean, like on like Tuesday, maybe you're sick in bed, but then like Sunday you're not resting. Maybe you can go do something more fun. So exactly. Like at least I know that I don't there's not that added pressure of being like I have to commute 45 minutes into an office every day. So I'm not worrying about that on top of being like, am I going to feel well enough to figure that out that day? It's like I always have that kind of backup to not be so stressed. And that helps me, but it kind of depends, you know, as much as you can control, just do your best to control it. All right, guys, that's it for this episode. We'll talk to you next Thursday morning. Um, follow our podcast Instagram at she never shuts up pod. Um, and yeah, signing off for the week. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.